wait a minute, but when I'm out, you know, going for a workout or um, catching up with my girlfriends with the kids on the weekends, I feel, I feel happy. I feel like I'm able to make myself happy. And that's when I remember one day I just finally said, I'd rather be alone than be in the situation with this person. And when you're, when you have that level of clarity, there's no going back. girl, imagine a life where you feel supported, connected, and understood. I get it. Being a mom is hard, especially when you're spinning so many plates. We exhaust ourselves trying to create the perfect life for our family. You deserve to enjoy your family without the stress perfectionism brings. On this podcast, I provide practical and relatable life experiences. I teach women quick and easy-to-use strategies to help them reclaim their identity, reignite their marriage, and enjoy their children. If you're ready to be challenged, then pull up a chair, grab pen and paper, because it's about to go down. I'm Veronica Cisneros, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is the Empowered and Unapologetic Podcast. Hey ladies, welcome to Empowered and Unapologetic. I'm your host, Veronica Cisneros. And today's guest is not only a badass, but she is about to teach us how we can step into confidence and how maybe our past villains have impacted us as well as our relationships. So please help me by welcoming Heather Monahan. Hey, Heather. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm super excited about your new book. Can you please tell us about it? Yeah, it's called Overcome Your Villains, and it's the powerful, proven three-step process to overcome any adversity in business or in life. And it's ultimately broken into the three separate parts are beliefs, action, and knowledge, which is the three-step process. And each section includes a personal story and key tactical takeaways that the reader can implement in their own life so they can overcome any challenge they're facing. So with challenges, when we are able to go ahead and create something like these three steps, I'm assuming that maybe you've endured your own challenges. And if so, what were they that inspired this book? Yeah, I back in um, 2017, I was fired after a 20 plus year career in corporate America. I was a chief revenue officer in media I had just been named one of the most influential women in radio and the CEO that I had worked for for 14 years became ill and he chose his daughter to replace him and she fired me immediately. And it was really unexpected as a single mother, you know, and I had, I had excelled so much in business that it was really shocking. And what that opportunity ended up giving me was, you know, that woman thought she fired me that day, but I had actually fired the number one villain in my life. And when she was gone from my life, the most amazing people started showing up to help me. And I ultimately wrote and self-published my first book, Confidence Creator, as a result. And ever since I put that book out into the world, people have DM me, asked me, emailed me. How did you go from getting fired and and hitting rock bottom to coming right back and turning it into a positive? And I just kept getting the same questions over and over again. And so that's what prompted me to write this new book. A good amount of us stay stuck in that in that zone. You know, a lot of us are so afraid to look at our past pain, so afraid to step into that discomfort of emotions. 
Um, you mentioned being a single mom. Well, that just puts so much more on your plate. And the fact that, you know, um, his daughter had let you go, the reputation that you had built in that company and how far and hard you work to go out and establish that level of success. I can see why most people have that question. You know, how did you go from rock bottom to go to the top? My question is more of how the hell were you able to go ahead and work through that pain? Because that's that's a great amount of pain, you know. And if you've experienced anything in your past that's similar to that form of, you know, let's say rejection or termination, it only amplifies it even more. Well, I'll take everyone right to the three-step process that, you know, I use in my life and that I really map out uh, in the new book, Overcome Your Villains. The first step is that you need to essentially look at the belief that you're holding, right? And when I first got fired, I was holding the belief that I've lost everything. I have nothing. You know, I'm, I'm at the bottom. And what you need to do is you need to break that belief down into what is fact, right? That baseline fact. So as I broke that belief down, I saw... Well, I didn't lose my reputation. I didn't lose my network. I didn't lose my expertise. I didn't lose my experiences. I didn't lose my friends and family. I didn't really <laughs> lose anything. The only thing I lost was I lost a villain that I was working side by side with. So that's a positive. That was a win. What did I lose? I lost a paycheck. And then as I looked, that was really the only fact that existed in that entire exchange, even though it was emotionally charged, you know, you have to force yourself to look at it objectively. And when I did boil it down to the most simplistic fact, it was I lost a paycheck. And I remembered I've worked for different companies in my life. I've, I've found ways to get paychecks from different places. That's future proof that I'll be able to find a way to get a paycheck moving forward. So once you demystify that belief, break it down to the most simplistic fact that there is. And oftentimes there's none. There's no fact yeah. to it, right? So the next critical piece is that you have to take action immediately. And so what I did was I put a post up on social media and I said, and this was my action step, which is step two. I said, I've just been fired. If I've ever helped you in any way, I need to hear from you today. And that post went viral and it landed me on the Elvis Duran show. And halfway through that interview, he looked at me and he said, well, Heather, obviously you're writing a book, but I wasn't writing a book. I had never <laughs> thought of, you know, I had always just thought about leading sales teams and running companies. I never thought about becoming an author. Yeah. But in that moment, I was surrounding myself with someone who already was where I wanted to go. Right. Yeah. So I was choosing the right knowledge, which is step three, to surround yourself with. And so when he gave me that confidence by believing in me, I took that knowledge and ran with it. And I Googled, how do you write a book? <laughs> so what would you say gets in most women's way with regards to like coming, me, being met with defeat in our eyes is defeat. What would you say is the biggest hurdle for us? Typically it's individuals, right? It's nothing outside of them. Most of the time it's the individual. Now everyone has a different situation. So for years I worked side by side with a woman that hated me, treated me poorly, was yeah. very passive aggressive. And when you have villains outside you, it's very hard to deal with the villain inside you because you're constantly trying to fight off these people that you shouldn't be working with or surrounding yourself with to begin with. So part of the book is about it's critical to overcome the villains that you're surrounded with so you can start dealing with the real one that holds you back, which is the one between your own two ears. Absolutely. Another thing that I find, um, especially with working with women, is it's insecurities. You know, when we do have that outside villain, 
they're exposing insecurities that we already have about our own selves internally. So if we can if we can work on those insecurities, then that villain no longer has power over us. And I love and appreciate how you were able to identify the stories that you were building up in your head. You know, okay, so what does this really, really boil down to? It's a paycheck. And how in the past have I been able to go out and, you know, um, manage my finances or how in the, how in the past have I showed up for myself? You know, how, how in the past have I been met with this form of, um, you know, problem or issue and I've been able to succeed. And that was brilliant being able to ask people, how have I helped you? You know, and again, being able to go ahead and outsource it, ask for help where a lot of us, we kind of clam, clam up and keep that to ourselves. We wouldn't share that with anybody because of that shame, because of that guilt. You know, so I, pre- I really appreciate how you were able to, to take away fact from fiction. What exactly is 100% true? Well, okay, 100% true, I'm out of paycheck. How am I going to make this work? Right? Awesome. That's why this process works every single yeah. time, every time for anyone. You know, if you just keep repeating the process, you will keep moving through the challenges and overcoming them. So I want to ask you about that because it's not like, okay, I'm just going to identify the stories I I built up in my head. I'm just going to do this. This does take practice. What did you have to do to start to develop this formula for yourself? And now I, obviously it's, it's groundbreaking and it's something that's quite successful, but how do we get there? How do we get there when there's so much past pain, when there's so many stories? And then in addition to that, maybe our husband might validate some of those insecurities that we already feel are there and exist. Well, then that husband is the villain, right? So there, it doesn't matter what title someone holds, your mother, your sister, yes. your husband, yes. or your employer. Those can all be villains, right? So that the book walks you through the things that you need to do is to start seeing it through the lens of, and again, it doesn't mean that person is a bad person. It might mean that person's not for you. If they're not good for you, doesn't mean they're evil, doesn't mean that they're wrong, but it means that they're not that right person or right situation for you at this time in your life. And, you know, the book is really about putting yourself first and starting to look at things with this strategic formula so that you can start moving forward. And I'll tell you, I had been using this formula my my entire life and I never knew I was using it. Two years ago, (laughs) a mentor of mine reached out to me and said, you know, your speaking business would advance much more rapidly if you would curate a real simplistic process that's repeatable and share it with people in your speaking engagements. And I said, well, I don't have that. And he said, everyone has that, Mm -hmm. Heather. He said, you just haven't identified it yet. So I challenged myself to sit down. It took me almost two years and really whiteboard. What are the things that I do when I'm faced with a terrible situation, whether it's divorce or the 0809 recession, and I had to lay off a third of my employees, or, you know, there's so many challenges I face across my life. So I wrote the challenging times down. I wrote down what was it that I did to get out of those situations and overcome them. And then I started seeing patterns and I feel so happy now to be able to hand the blueprint to others. I didn't have the blueprint. I created it along the way and then had to dig deep to figure out what specifically is it so I can make it easier, more simplistic to go ahead and duplicate. That's awesome. That's so awesome. So what were some roadblocks that came up for you? So it took you two years to develop this amazing strategy. Take me through that. What were some roadblocks? 
It wasn't really roadblocks. It's really like in any business situation, if you're going to pitch a big client, right, you're going to sit down and whiteboard. What are all the potential challenges? What are all the potential positives? What are the potential outcomes? You want to go in as best prepared to succeed as you can. And that's really what I was challenging myself to do is I wanted to create or identify what those right steps were. And at first I wrote down 200 different things. Initially (laughs) I started thinking, you know, there's so many things that I do. I I take a lot of action. So I was focusing at first on all the action steps I took. And then I realized it's not just action, though. That's not the only thing. And that's Mm -hmm. when I wrote down action is one part of the process. It's not the entire process. So I had to mentally go through and realize that I was fixated on just one because I just happened to be an action based person. Everyone is either, in my opinion, and you'll see this in the book someone who is really quick to jump into the beliefs and think about the beliefs and, yeah. you know, what am I actually believing? What story? There's a lot of people that like to talk about that and think about and be self-aware. Then there's people that like to take action. And then there's people that like to access knowledge from others, whether it be podcasts, books, friends, um, you know, a, a mentor, whoever. But we all gravitate towards different things. And I think it's important to identify who you are, because once you know what you gravitate towards naturally, that part's going to come a little bit easier to you. The other two steps might be a little bit more challenging, but at least you can go in and be self-aware about, okay, I know I'll nail this first part, the belief part. I've got that. I really understand my beliefs. I can dismantle them and get them down to baseline facts. I might struggle with the action part and the knowledge. So I want to jump in and learn more about how I can advance myself through that. So it was really that strong desire to go and figure this all out. Nice. Nice. Most of the, most of my listeners that that first step in identifying who they are, who they are outside of being a mom, who they are outside of being a wife, that is a huge struggle for them. Going into this action mode, right, and being able to identify these villains might not necessarily come so easy. I appreciate what you just said, though, about the husband might be the villain. Your family might be the villain. And I love that you clarified with, it's not necessarily that they're a monster or they're this bad person, but it sounds like what you're saying is that's not somebody that's healthy for you, right? Not necessarily positioning as this monster, but it's more of, that's not somebody that's, that might be healthy for you. So once we've positioned somebody as the villain, where do we go from there? Well, if you've identified, for example, your husband is the villain, then the first thing you're going to need to do is communicate with that person what your needs are in a very direct fashion, right? You have to ask for what you want. Oftentimes in business and in life, people assume that the other person understands. You assume that they know. You assume that you've rolled your eyes enough that they understand. But typically that's not the case until we're very direct in communicating with, here's what I need, here's what I want. And, and have that conversation, and it, it can be in a positive, neutral fashion. It doesn't have to be an attacking fashion. It's better to be in a calm fashion that, you know, you ask for what you need. And if that person says, oh, wow, you know, I didn't know this was important to you, or I didn't know I was doing that, thank you for pointing it out, and changes behavior, great, that's a win, you've changed the situation. Or the person could say yes, and then that bad behavior comes back again, and that's where you have to hold somebody accountable. And that's no different in a personal relationship or in business or in parenting, right? If someone says, even a child, yeah, mom, I won't chew with my mouth open at the table anymore. And yet every day keeps doing that. Then it's on the parent to say, 
there's a consequence for that. Mm-hmm. You've committed, you're aware of what, you know, you're doing that is, is wrong in this instance, you know, you're, you're intentionally chewing with their mouth open or you're not fixing what I've asked you to. So you're not going to be able to have dessert or, or whatever it may be, right? There's got to be some type of a follow-up to get people to hold to what the commitments are that they made. So it's setting boundaries, being able to set and respect your own boundaries. Absolutely. Okay. How has this played out in your own relationships, your personal relationships? You know, I would say that as I look back on my life, again, I didn't know about this formula years earlier. I I was unaware of it. However, I was implementing it. You know, getting divorced is a great example of that. Yeah. You know, I was very direct with what I did not like that what my husband at that at that point in time, my life was doing. And I was very upfront. And I said, this will not work for me. This behavior is not going to be something that is that I can, you know, begin to get along with or accept. So you're going to have to let me know, are you willing to make the changes to this behavior? Or is this something that, you know, we decide to go our separate ways? And at first he said, no, I, I will fix this. I will change this. You know, he made the commitment to change. But then over time, very slowly, it started unwinding, you know, and getting oh, back to, yeah. to normal. And and that's a, you know, and as I mentioned, that's where you, consequence has to come into play that you can't allow people to treat you poorly, right? And that's really what someone's doing when they're disrespecting a commitment that they make to you. So for me, you know, as I saw it start to unwind very slowly, I would bring it up. What This really isn't what we agreed to, yep. you know, and then it became a little bit more around conflict. And then finally I said, here's we're going to have, you know, possibly our final discussion. I am not willing to be treated poorly or disrespected. You made promises and commitments to me. You're not following through with them. That's not who I am. And that's not how I'll be treated, you know, and really getting clear on what is acceptable to me and what isn't. And that's when I decided to get divorced. Yeah. Getting to that point where these are, these are my non-negotiables. I'm I'm not going to be walked on. I'm not going to be disrespected and believing in your own worth um, to know that, yeah, this, this is not okay. A good amount of women are scared to go ahead and even say these things just because we don't want to poke the bear. We don't want to go ahead and get to that point where we are on the verge of divorce. What they don't realize, what they fail to realize is if they're not willing to go ahead and make these moves, then they're going to continue on with these dysfunctional patterns. I can't imagine, you know, the divorce was was easy for you. I'm not sure if, if your child is, is his daughter. Um, it, okay. My so, son. Yeah, my your son, son is I'm his sorry. son. Yeah. So, I don't even know where I came with daughter. I think it's because you're pink. Yeah. You look great in pink. But um, yeah, so what was it like? I still go back to, so for you to make that decision, you are not only making that decision for yourself, you are also making that choice and modeling that example for your child, which is great. How did that play out with you being able to have that discussion with your child? You know, to me, having a child makes it easier to make better decisions because when, you know, you think about I'm modeling the behavior that my child is probably going to grow up and model. I basically thought to myself, do I want my son to end up in a marriage like this when he's Hell older? If I yes. do, if I do, I should stay married to this person, Hell right? Yes. I should stay in this situation. He'll grow up around this situation. It will become normal to him. And some he'll either disrespect someone or someone's going to disrespect him. And that idea to me made it crystal clear that no, I, there was no way I could stay in that situation. So for me, my son was very young at the time. He was a year and a half. So it wasn't some big conversation you can have, but in some ways, 
in some ways it's easier. In some ways it's harder. He was so confused when suddenly he was getting taken out of his mom's home, you know, for an overnight with his father and he didn't want to go and he didn't have the words to be able to say, Hey, this is, why is this happening? So it was, it was a challenging time. However, I look back, you know, here I am years later. I'm so glad that Mm -hmm. I made that decision. I'm so glad I trusted my gut. Thank goodness. I, I would never be the person that I am today. Had I stayed in a situation where I was being disrespected, I would have never become confident. I would have, you know, I would have never achieved the things I've achieved in my life. And for my son, you know, it's been a great experience for him too. He's learned how to deal with adversity. He's learned, you know, having a single mom is is challenging and he's gone through tough times, but that's made him a stronger, more resilient person. Well, and mama knows her worth. Mama knows her worth. Mama's modeling this for me. So therefore I as well get to understand my own worth and not settle for less or compromise myself in the process. Awesome. What is one message you wish women knew off the bat with regards to giving themselves grace for letting go of villains? I think a lot of women blame themselves for situations, right? So they'll say it's my fault that the marriage isn't going well, or why couldn't I save this or fix this? It's never our job ever to save somebody else. And I don't care if you're married or not. That's And this you know, goes back to baseline psychology. People are responsible for keeping themselves happy. People are responsible for getting help if they're depressed. People are responsible for getting help if they have addiction. People are responsible for getting off the couch and moving oh, their butt yes. if they have health issues, right? Like this is not on you to be someone's personal trainer or keeper or, you know, counselor. Mm-hmm. No, you need to keep yourself happy. And the minute that I recognize that in my marriage specifically, that's when I started hiring a babysitter and going to work out. That's when I started doing things that made me feel happy and putting myself first. And the more I did that, the more clear it was to me that that relationship wasn't for me because it wasn't helping to elevate me. He wasn't bringing me joy, but I was finding joy on my own. And it was completely separate from him. And I said, you know what? Something's not right here. When I'm around him, I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling disrespected. I'm feeling let down. I'm feeling lied to. Wait a minute. But when I'm out, you know, going for a workout or um, catching up with my girlfriends with the kids on the weekends, I feel I feel happy. I feel like I'm able to make myself happy. And that's when I remember one day I just finally said, I'd rather be alone than be in the situation with this person. And when you're when you have that level of clarity, there's no going back. No, it's, it's this newfound life. It's this new living and not settling for any less or self-sabotaging and compromising yourself for anybody. Hell yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. What is your third step with regards to overcoming your villains? The third step is all around accessing knowledge and doing it in a very mindful way. It's curated knowledge. So So many times, say someone's in a situation where they're getting divorced, they mistakenly open up to their mother about it. And the mother starts saying, don't do it. No, I don't want a divorced child. Right. So that's not curating knowledge. That's not thinking logically. Is this the right person for me to discuss this with? If you were going to do that, you maybe you would hire a counselor for you. Not, and I'm not even talking about relationship, but maybe you would say, I need to go seek yeah. help for myself. Or maybe I'd like to go listen to a podcast about divorce. Maybe I'd like to be intentional about the information I'm going to access and not just fall into it a conversation with the wrong person that might make me start second guessing how I feel. I want to be really thoughtful about this and surround myself with people who have been where I want to go. 
how do you know who those people are? So one, one example you gave is when people impose their fears on you. And so now what their fears are and what they're scared of, they try to go ahead and bring it on you. What other ways do we know that these people are probably not, you know, um, prime supporters or educators? Well, for me, for the example I gave when I got fired, I went to the Elvis Duran show. I was surrounding myself with someone who was light years ahead of me, had massive success, was not intimidated by other people, right? So look to people in the world that are where you want to be. Think to yourself, who can I, and it doesn't have to be some, your neighbor, right? It can be someone on social media. You're just going to follow and consume their content. Maybe it's someone who was in a bad marriage who got out of it and is now feeling a lot better. Immerse yourself in that type of content to see if it resonates with you. The more that it does, it's going to give you indicators into, wait a minute, this sounds this sounds like me. This sounds like how I'm feeling that I haven't been able to verbalize to others because I haven't wanted to hear their negative feedback. I'm going to immerse myself more around people like this who are living the life that I want to live. Absolutely. And it's crazy because once you do surround yourself with people that are doing the things that you want to do or accomplishing the goals that you want to accomplish, everything changes. You start to become so much more driven. You start to develop this high sense of confidence and you start to take chances, right? I love that. Absolutely. What would you say you're doing today to live the life you want to live? You know, I always am thinking, but one thing I've learned from COVID-19 is that we can't predict the future, right? So the important thing is to live in the moment, live in the present moment and show up as the best version of yourself. So I'm super proud of myself that I'm putting my second book out, you know, taking these are big risks and stepping into fear and the unknown. And and that makes me feel very, very proud because it's all about growth. And as you grow in business, you grow as a person, right? All these things kind of touch all the different facets of your life. So For me, I'm really excited about that. As I look towards the future, I stay open-minded about, I'm not sure what that will look like, but if I keep down that same path of putting myself first, following my passion, stepping into fear and continual growth and making sure I'm mindful about the knowledge I'm accessing, you know, I'm only going to go up from here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And again, the beautiful part, ladies, is not only is she going up, but also she's all modeling this for her son. So her son has so much growth, right? I love that. What would you say to the mom who feels frustrated and overwhelmed today? Yeah, I mean, we've all been there, right? (laughs) Temporary. First of all, it's temporary. So that's what people need to remind yourself of. And and I had to remind myself of this, you know, just um, with COVID and virtual school and, you know, losing my speaking business overnight when everything disappeared and live events disappeared. I remind myself, whatever this is, I don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be temporary. The next thing I did was I took action, right? So it's going back to going back to those steps. knowledge, yep. right? You're going back to the three steps is distill the beliefs down to the most simplistic fact, whatever it is, your life will not always be like this. We don't know how long it's going to be, but it is temporary and that should give you a positive feeling. Next thing is take action. For me, what I did is I am the most creative when I'm working out. And it's important for everybody to know when do you solve problems the best? Taking a shower, going for a walk, meditating, whatever it is for you. For me, it's working out. So I jumped on my Peloton bike and I kept asking myself, what problem can you solve from home? And immediately it came to me, go look at your DMs, Heather. I jumped off my bike. I went to my DMs on LinkedIn and I started reading and people were asking me, do you ever do virtual speaking engagements? Do you ever do consulting? Would you ever do coaching? 
And so I just said, these are all business opportunities for me. Now I'm going to go market them online and see which ones resonate, which ones don't and test and try, you know, done will always be better than perfect. Take the messy action, put yourself out there. And that's how you're, you're going to start finding your way. My last question, who would you say was your biggest villain? I mean, everyone's biggest villain is always going to be themselves, but I will say that that woman that I worked with who was very, very passive aggressive, you know, obviously she really hated me firing me, you know, for no reason, but working side by side that closely with someone who despises you does a number on your confidence. I mean, it really, I was showing up as a watered down B rate version of myself for a couple of years. And I had allowed, I allowed that to happen, right? Cause we're always teaching people how to treat us. And I was teaching her that it was okay to treat me really poorly and treat other people well. And so for me, firing that woman, from my life, the day that she thought she fired me yep. was so much more powerful than I ever could have imagined. I love that. I love that. Um, with our villains, they tend to remind us of somebody from our past. You know, it might be our mom, it might be our dad, it might be somebody that we sought out acceptance from and never felt like we actually achieved it. Do you feel like she reminded you of somebody from your past? And if so, who? Hmm. You know, it's funny. I never ran into the situation of women hating women as I did in corporate America. So I would say, you know, there was a couple of women in corporate America where it was similar with her, you know, but that was, that was pretty new for me. I had always had supportive women around me when I was younger, you know, so socially and in sports and whatnot, I've been really blessed with, you know, positive people. So I will say that there was a few, it wasn't just her. She had her little cronies that, you know, she spent time with and they all sort of, you know, treated me very, very differently. And I'll also say since that time, since I fired her, I've had amazing women show back up, but it's really important to get rid of the negative ones, even the sneaky negative ones, because they're going to create space so that you can create a suction to pull the right people towards you. The people that want to be your champions and the people that want to uplift you. Yay. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Unfortunately in corporate America, there, there are those women when, as you were sharing right now, I thought of when I first opened up my, well, I was renting her office because I, I didn't have a practice just yet. And I was renting it like once a week. And, um, I just received my license as a clinician. And I remember her telling me, um, you know, I told my husband that you're starting out with your private practice. And the first thing that he said was you're in for a rude awakening. And I remember hearing that. And then those inner you know, that, that inner voice, the self-defeating thoughts that came up for me were, damn, he must be right. He must know more than me. He's been married to her and she's a psychologist and she's successful. So, ah, it must not be enough. And then I remember going into screw that I am, I, yeah, I'm just starting out, but just watch me, watch me. And Definitely didn't need the education. Um, the education helped, but she was a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm a licensed clinician. But it was all of those things that had stood in my way that I that I personalized, that I started to, in some way, shape, or form, challenge that led me to where I am today and very much more successful than her. But it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to prove to her, but it, I wanted to prove that to myself. And those inner, those inner villains can, they can be challenging. It can be extremely hard, especially when you're married, especially when you have kids, it it can feel so defeating. 
However, we do allow people to treat us a certain way. And it is when we decide that it's enough and we do follow these three steps, you know, take action that everything changes. It is a huge leap. But once we take that leap, holy shit, is it freedom? Is it freedom? Heather, how can we find you on social media? I'm everywhere at Heather Monahan. My podcast is Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan, and my new book is Overcome Your Villains. And you can find that anywhere books are sold. Thank you so, so much for coming on with us. This was absolutely amazing. Thanks so much for having me. Many women lose their own identity in the shadow of being a mom and a wife. We are a community of women who support each other. We leave perfectionism behind to become empowered and unapologetic. I want to personally invite you to join our girl gang. It's a free Facebook community for women just like you. Go to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash empowered and unapologetic. See you there. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now, write a review, rate the episode, and subscribe. Don't forget to share it with your friends. Hey there, this is Casey McGuire Davidson, host of the Hello Someday podcast. I'm an ex-red wine girl turned life coach who helps busy women change their relationship with alcohol. I spent 20 years climbing the corporate ladder while drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. In the Hello Someday podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking obsessed culture without a buzz and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst case scenario to the best decision of your life. You can find new episodes of the Hello Someday podcast every Thursday, wherever you listen. And I hope you check it out. Hey there, this is Casey McGuire Davidson, host of the Hello Someday podcast. I'm an ex-red wine girl turned life coach who helps busy women change their relationship with alcohol. I spent 20 years climbing the corporate ladder while drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. In the Hello Someday podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking obsessed culture without a buzz and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst case scenario to the best decision of your life. You can find new episodes of the Hello Someday podcast every Thursday, wherever you listen. And I hope you check it out. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. 
I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today.